Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Now, church, remember where we left off two weeks ago, okay? A friend, I was going to say BFF, but a friend of Jesus named Lazarus had just recently died, okay? He was a really good friend of Jesus. Jesus used to go over to his house. He was the brother of Mary and Martha. They were a close-knit family. I guess they hadn't married, or if they did, they were widows. The Bible doesn't say. But they were, Jesus was a good friend. He used, to, he used to eat frequently with them. And they were from a small town, a small village in Bethany. Now, I just want you to keep, because the Bible's going to talk about it, but if you were to stand on top of the Mount of Olives and oversee Jerusalem, you would see basically the eastern gate. You would see the Dome of the Rock. Now, I mean modern, okay? You would see the Dome of the Rock, and you'd kind of oversee all of Jerusalem. You can see it from that high. If you return a little bit east and look two miles, and that's not very far, you go, how far is it? In your mind from right here to the loop, okay, on university is about two miles, give or take. That's how far Bethany is. So not very far. We could walk if we needed to walk. It's about two miles. That would be the little village of Bethany. That's where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are from, right? Well, there's a death, okay? There's a death in the family. Lazarus has died. And this death, guys, is going to affect everyone in striking distance, but not for the reason you think. Oftentimes, death strikes everybody in striking distance, and, and it hurts, and it brings, and it just brings just, you know, mourning and, and remorse and sorrow and heartbreak, and that's so true in our lives, but this death is going to affect everyone for the glory of God. So it's a little bit different story. You go, well, how so? Well, here's what I would remind you of, Okay. I want to remind you, and I want you to take this to heart, guys, is that in this life, okay, you're going to have seasons of storms that come your way, seasons of storms that come. And those storms in your life, whatever they may be, they're going to affect you and all of those around you, whatever storms they may be, right? And you go, well, like how? Well, like ripples, okay, like ripples on the shores of your life. It's like if you were to take a rock and throw it into a pond, right? Here's what happens. The initial hit of the rock in the water begins a ripple effect. And that's the biggest effect. But then eventually, it'll ripple on out all the way across. And we do that all the time. We go, look at this. And bloop, 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 bloop. that's how life is. That's how we have this, this kind of rippling effect. Now, here's what I've learned, Okay. I don't like it, but I've learned it. If we're going to live, if we're going to live in this world with each other, we're going to have to accept the terms and conditions of living in this world. You go, well, what are the terms and conditions, Ben? Here are the terms and conditions. People we love very much will one day say goodbye. That's the terms and conditions. Or, as a matter of fact, one day we might have to say goodbye to those we love. You go, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, here's the thing, guys. One day, because the terms and conditions are in this world, people die and we'll have to say goodbye to them. Or one day we will say goodbye to those we love. That's just how it is. Now, I don't like it. It hurts like crazy. I grew up in that and I don't like it. Uh, it, it has shaped my life, and I don't like it, but those are the terms that we have to accept, that one day we're going to have to say goodbye, even to people we love, even to people that we had never even really met. You go, what do you mean? Well, it's for me, it was when I was 18 months, 
Okay, when I was about a year, my mother uh, found out she had breast cancer. And then in a few short months after that, when I was 18 months, she passed away. So I love my mom, the stories about my mom, who she was. But this is somebody I've never met, and it still hurts. You guys tracking with me? It still hurts. And I don't, I don't like it, but it's, it's the terms and conditions in this world. Now, that's the bad news. You go, Ben, I don't like it either. But the good news is this. Goodbye to the believer is not forever. To those who, who know Jesus. Well, let me, let me just say this more important. To those who know Jesus, but does Jesus know you? Goodbye is not forever. It's not forever. You see? Why? You go, how so? Well, the good news, guys, the gospel is found throughout the whole Bible. But listen to the way Jesus puts it, right? We studied this a few weeks ago. It's in John's gospel, chapter 10, a few pages back. In 27 to 30, Jesus says this to you and I. He says, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Yes, Lord, I hear your voice. You know me, and I'm going to follow you. And this is what he says. Because of that, verse 20 says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That's a good place for an amen. Amen. Right? Because what's he saying? He's saying, if you know Jesus and Jesus knows you, man, we're never going to die. We're not going to perish. We're not going to die. No, no, no. We live in a world in terms and conditions say that that's going to happen someday. But what he's telling us, he goes, man, you're going to have eternal life. You're going to have eternal life. And he says, no one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from me, from my father's hand. Why? Because the father and I are one. That's a great promise. We could actually quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have ever lasting life. So, guys, think about it. For the believer, oh, it might be hard down here. Our heart might break. There might be tears of sorrow. But we know, we know, we know, we know that that's not the end. We will see them again. We'll see you again. We'll see you again. Those who have died in Christ, I always say, I'll see you in heaven, buddy. I'll see you in heaven. I'm going to see you again. And we look forward to that. So if you're taking notes, John 11 really has to do with the storms that affect our lives, the storms that affect our lives, and how the storm not only affects us, but how it affects those around us. This is all John chapter 11. You see, in the 11th chapter, guys, John is, a, is basically, it's a great story of Mary and Martha and the resurrection of their brother, named Lazarus. So here's what we learned so far. There are different groups that were introduced in John chapter 11 that we see the effects of Lazarus' death. We get to look at them and we get to see, right? Now, for the sake of time, we can't cover all 57 verses, but like next week, we'll finish up just a little bit here, but we're going to see how uh, each people group is affected, each person. You go, how so? Well, the first two weeks ago, we started with the first three. Who were they? Well, we talked about Lazarus himself, okay? Of course, right? Take a rock, throw it into the pond. The very time, the, the very moment the rock hits the water is going to, that's the biggest effect, right? And so the biggest effect would be Lazarus. I want you to think about this for just a moment, okay? When a man or a woman comes to the place where he knows he is going to die, it has a, a profound effect on him. It has a, a profound effect, 
Even though we're saved by grace, even though that it's the cross that saves us, every one of us in our minds probably think, did I do enough? Did I serve enough? Did I give enough? I think that's just natural because we want to please the Lord. And we think by pleasing him, by working for him, gains entrance into heaven. That's not true, is it? It's by the grace of God and only what he has done that gives us entrance to heaven. The enemy wants to come and distort that. Oh, did I do enough? So Lazarus, who's now feeling sick, Lazarus, who has a cough that won't go away, now begins to realize, I'm going to die. It has a profound effect. Think about what he's thinking. Think about what you would think if you were on your deathbed. Think about what you would say to your family. I wonder what what Lazarus said to his sisters. Please, you know, love Jesus, please. Maybe he called for Lazarus or Jesus. Maybe Lazarus like, get Jesus Get Jesus here as fast as you can. Where's my Lord? Where's and, and we don't know, but we know it does have a profound effect. But think about this. Think about this. For the Christian, death should be nothing more than you simply moved from one place to another. That's all it should mean. Right? Because Jesus is the author of life. And when you have life, you go, okay, I'm going to leave this life. I'm going to leave this body here, but I'm simply going to move to another realm. But I'm never going to be more alive than when that happens. So Lazarus has a profound effect. You go, okay, remember that. The second group, guys, was his sisters. I want you to think about this. Mary and Martha, this storm of watching their brother get sick, right? Well, first of all, there he is healthy and they're doing stuff. They're going out and they're having food and family and they have discipleship and, and fellowship all over the house and they're laughing and there's wonderful laughter going through. And then all of a sudden he starts to get sick just a little bit and doesn't feel that great. And, and there he lays down just a minute. And then and think how it, how it affected the sisters, guys. Think about how, I mean, the storms, it's a storm. It's, are you kidding me? And darkness comes in the heart. I'm going to lose my brother. Are you, are you serious? And, and of course, there he dies. And how does that affect them? It affects them. And, and I think it's put in here because you and I can certainly relate to this story because we've all had someone we love that we'd had to say goodbye to. I can't help... As I was typing this up, I can't help but think of the sad story. There's a story of a country singer uh, by the name of Joey Fleek and Rory Fleek. And it's funny because if you'll, if you'll see, she wrote a song. And the song is called When I'm Gone. And she wrote it and sang it and did the video even before she knew she had cancer. And it was, it was so profound because then she had cancer and just a couple of years later she passed away. And she wrote this song. And it was like, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, if you watch the video of this, you will cry. I mean, you just straight up cry. I mean, I mean, I mean, think about it, guys. Uh, let me, let me, let me share some lyrics with you because I mean, I think it resonates with Mary and Martha, and I think it shares and it resonates with us. How so? Here's her opening lyric. You ready? A bright sunrise will contradict the heavy fog that weighs you down. In spite of all the funeral songs. The birds will make their joyful sounds. You'll wonder why on earth, why the earth still moves. You'll wonder how you'll carry on, but you'll be okay on that first day when I'm gone. And she goes on, and it's a beautiful song. 
It's a beautiful song, but think about that. Isn't that true? Isn't that, I mean, that first day, you're thinking, how could the birds sing? Don't you know what happened? How could the sun still rise? How could people still go to work? This is not cool. When somebody you love says goodbye. It's heartbreaking. And we never want to think that, do we? We never want to think, well, tomorrow. You see, guys, for me, it became a reality several years ago. When my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, you go, how? I mean, it was never more, it was, it was never more impactful because my mom died of breast cancer. Now my wife has it, and I'm thinking, right? And I'm thinking, okay. And in my mind, I started to play scenarios of how I was, what life was going to look like without her. What? Wow. You know, they call it the new normal, the new normal, because you didn't ever ask for this. And I think, look how it, in, it impacted. Look at how it impacted the sister. But here's some good news, guys. Here's some encouragement, okay? No matter where you are in life right now, some of us might walk in in a very dark place. We might be struggling with things that we haven't made peace with from our past. You might not understand all of what life has thrown you, some of the choices you made, and, and, and you're just going, I don't understand, Pastor, I don't understand. Or you might even, guys, we do this from time to time. You might even be questioning your existence on earth. Why am I even here? Why was I even born? But listen, here's what I want you to take away, right? God knows your heart. He knows your life, guys, and he cares about you. Do not let the enemy rob you of that joy where he says, hey, God doesn't care about you. If God cared about you, he went to let this. We make choices. God still cares about us. He still has those arms that wraps around us. Even in the dark places, we know that Jesus cares, doesn't he? Why? Because they'll go to him two weeks ago and said, Jesus, Lazarus, whom you love. And the skeptics would raise their hand and they would question, well, if God really, if Jesus really loved Lazarus, he wouldn't get sick and he wouldn't have died. And that's not true. God loves us even in our dark places. You guys with me on that? Let me just say this to you. You ready? Keep your head up. Keep your eyes on him. Tomorrow is going to be a brighter and better day. Keep your head up. That's what's going on. So it affected Lazarus. It affected the, it, Mary and Martha. Of course, you go, yeah, Pastor, I can rest. But you know what? It also, it also affected the disciples. Now, the disciples weren't there, were they? The disciples were hanging out with Jesus. Notice verse 8 with me, right? Feel the weight of the verse. The disciples said to Jesus, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again. Do you see that? They had come and said, Lazarus is dead. He's in Bethany. Where's Bethany Church? Two miles away from where people want to kill Jesus, right? And so the disciples are like, hey, Lord, hey, listen. Um, um, yes, yes. What do I say? He said, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. As a matter of fact, when we were there last time, they picked up stones. He says, and you're going there? And here's what I love about Jesus, guys. <laughs> Jesus is like, not me, fellas. We're going there. All right? Not just, I'm sorry, where do you, you know? If you're my disciple, if you're my disciple. And so we ended the study two weeks ago with Thomas declaring his loyalty to Jesus. Do you remember that? So he said, Jesus, I'll go with you. 
Let us go that we may die there, right? And here's what I love about Thomas, guys. And I think these are, these are characteristics that we need to have as a believer. You ready? Number one, he's loyal. He's loyal to God. Lord, we're with you. We're with you. And, and, and here's what we got to think about this. Here's where we got to chat for just a moment. Thomas is loyal to Jesus to go back to Jerusalem and maybe even be stoned to death. And I think you and I, are we have that loyalty in us. And even now, we would stand up here and declare, God, I'll die for you. Am I right? Lord Jesus, I love you so much, I would lay down my life if that's what it means for you. Why do you how do I know that? Because, guys, because even as parents and even as, as good Samaritans, we would at times lay down our life for the good of others, for the salvation of others. But I think what's more, and I think what has to hit us, is loyalty has to come not only in death, but in living for Jesus every single day. Loyalty comes when we live for Jesus every single day. Where we get up and go, Lord, I'll die for you, but more importantly, God, I'm going to live for you today. I'm going to live for you today. My thoughts are going to be your thoughts. My heart is going to be your heart. And when I get selfish, Lord, convict me. And, and when I'm running in the wrong path, bring me back. But that's going to be loyalty. Thomas was loyal. You know what else Thomas was? He was courageous. I like that. A second characteristic for us is that we need to be courageous. We need to be courageous. I had a dream the other night. I don't know what it means. But I've just been having these weird dreams, and, and I remember it was a, it was a very spiritual dream and, 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 and demonic in its tone. And in this, behind this door, I knew there was a, a demon or, de, or demons. And I remember in my dream, looking at the door, and I felt this courage come up in me, and I opened the door. And you know how you try to speak in your dream, but you can't? And I was just trying to command them, in the name of, and I couldn't get it. I was like, Ugh! but I could feel the weight of the evilness as you pass the threshold of that door. But I had the courage to step up because God is bigger. And courage comes when we walk in Jesus and when we're filled with his Holy Spirit. And courage comes when we are confronted with people who want to try to dissuade us from what we believe. And we say, no, 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 this is what I believe. This is what, I, this is what the word of God is. And, and you can love people back to life. That's courage. And here's what I love about Thomas. You ready? He's honest. And a lot of times we don't think we can be honest with God. We think, right? If we're feeling hurt or we're feeling dissuaded or we're feeling like, like unfair, we're, I mean, we, we won't tell God that. But here's the thing. God knows anyway, and he wants us to be honest. Oh, God, I really, I really have all of these mixed feelings, and I won't tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. And God goes, I know already. And you need to be honest. You need to be honest. And I love that Thomas was honest. And we'll get to that in John chapter 14, but you guys know the story. The Lord is showing him how to get to heaven. He's showing him the way. And Thomas raises his hand and goes, "Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about, Lord. We don't know the way. And he's like, Thomas, haven't you? But he's honest. He's honest. Well, those are the three we covered two weeks ago. Today, we're just going to look at one more group, okay? This is a group, and if you're taking note, it's family and friends. Family and friends that are going to be affected by Lazarus' death, okay? Family, friends. You guys know the story. If you've ever been to a funeral, what happens? You have a lot of family come in, and then you have your close friends, and this is who shows up in our story today. 
Let's pick it up in verse 17 as we begin our study. Notice what it says. It says, so when Jesus came, now where was he? He was, he was down, right? He's, your, your friend Lazarus dead. Jesus waited two days, and then now he's coming back. So Jesus is on his way to Bethany. He found out that what? That Lazarus has already been in the tomb. How many? Four days. Four days. Now, if I'm hanging out with John, who wrote this, I'm like, John, Everybody knows Lazarus has been dead four days. Why are you writing this? It's important. This is very important. We grasp what John is trying to say. Okay? You go, why, Pastor? Because in order for all who are around to believe, including those of us who read this 2,000 years later, Jesus, right, he was going to, needed to, did, he resurrected Lazarus. He simply didn't just go over and resuscitate him. That's why John points out four days, four days, four days, okay? Almost everyone would agree. Now, some, there's some skeptics out there. Well, you can be in a coma. No, no, no. Almost everyone would agree that if someone has been dead four days, it means, okay, you ready? He or she is really dead and not simply in a coma, breathing very shallow that you think they're dead, or not breathing, or even sleeping. So I got on the internet and I said, what happens to a body after four days? Now, before the embalming process, here's, here's what would happen, okay? After four days, a body would begin to turn white. There's no blood flow, so you would turn right, and rigor mortis would set in. That's what would happen. That's why they would wrap the body pretty, pretty tight at that point. Everyone, everything that I read in the internet said this, after four days, your body really isn't started decomposing yet, but it stinks really bad. It stinks really bad. And so what happens is in the hot desert there in in Jerusalem in the summer, much like this, 100 degree weather, think about it. It's it, Here's the body, but it now, right? What is, what did... <laughs> What did Martha say to Jesus? Jesus, uh, he stinks. It smells bad. Don't, don't roll away the tongue. What are you talking about? And we're going to see why, right? That's exactly. So it begins to stink. It wouldn't be decaying. Everybody got that, okay? But it would stink pretty bad. That's what happens. Verse 18 says, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Thank you. That's exactly what we've learned. We've learned. Thank you, John, for saying that Bethany was near Jerusalem. Now, we come to the fourth group. Notice, the family and the close friends. Verse 19, it says, And many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Do you guys see that? Okay, think about this. We know that whenever there's a death in our families, right, we know that that friends and family gather around the immediate family, okay? How do, why do they do that? Number one, it's an act of courtesy, okay? Friends will send flowers right away. They'll go to the viewing. They'll shake hands with loved ones and express their sympathy. My condolences to... And again, we'll, have, we'll, see, we'll see later on that there's going to be acquaintances, and then we're just going to have people who come from Jerusalem because they hear Jesus is there. They have nothing to do with the funeral, but Lazarus' death is going to impact them just as well. Here, I want you to picture the last funeral you might have been to, and you see that there's just family and close friends are here offering their support. 
and they're, they've sent flowers, and they're hugging you, and they're loving you, and they're saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm so, my condolences. I'm sorry for your loss. Now, here's what I want you to see. This was a part of, as this is a part of our lives, this was also a part of their lives. You go, well, Ben, how does this, how is this, how are they going to be affected by this? Let me give you a spoiler alert, okay? Spoiler alert. Turn, uh, go a little bit farther to verse 45, okay? Skip ahead for a moment to verse 45. Notice with me and read with me. It says in John eleven forty-five. it says, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things that Jesus did, what happens? They believed in him. You go, well, what did Jesus do? Here's the spoiler alert. He's going to say, Lazarus. And Lazarus is going to be in the tomb going, what? I think, <laughs> I think Jesus, I hear him calling me now. Lazarus, right? He says, come forth. Lazarus comes out. He is not resuscitated. He is resurrected. There he comes in the grave clothes, wondering what probably happened. Okay? Because everybody went, for the glory of God... Right? Think about Lazarus. Didn't that impact him? Absolutely. Man, I thought I was dead. You were dead. What? Then Jesus brought me back. There's Mary, Mary and Martha. Our son. Our, 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 our brother. Wait a minute. He's alive again? Lazarus, go clean your room. It's a mess. You left it a mess. When you, you know, I mean, whatever it might be, but nonetheless, notice it says, then many of the Jews who had come to marry all the people, all the family and friends, and they had seen the things that Jesus did, they believed in him. Now, two things stand out from this verse. You guys ready? Number one, it's the word believe. Because it's the same word that John has employed throughout the, 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 the whole gospel. It's the word pisteo, pisteo, okay? That's the Greek word, but it's made up of two other words. Pisteo means to have faith in and respect to a person or to entrust. So it's not just going, I have faith, I have. It's having faith in Jesus. That's what it means. But it's also, there's another word. It means to be persuaded, to have reliance upon Christ for your salvation. That's what you're relying on. You're not relying on your good works. You're not relying on your good looks. You're relying on Jesus for your salvation, that person. So not only are you what? Not only do you have faith in him, but you're persuaded. But it's also made up of one more word. You go, what is that? It's patheo, and it means to be convinced with confidence. When someone tells you how you're saved, Jesus. How are you going to get to heaven? Jesus. What's your life all about? That's, you're just so confident in that. You're confident. That's how I'm saved. I'm not saved by how I raised my family. I'm not saved by how many um, big major corporate deals I made. I'm not saved by how much money I brought in. I am saved by what? Here's how I believe. I believe simply that I have faith in Jesus. I'm persuaded and I'm relying on him. And I'm convinced with confidence he's the only way. That's believe. So what happened? The people who went to this funeral believed. What does that mean? When, when we get to heaven, you probably see a group of people, and when you get to talking to them, they might have been the ones sitting there and saw Lazarus. And you might be walking up to somebody in heaven and say, hey, how's it going? How long have you been here? Oh, I've been here a while. How is it? Oh, it's amazing. Well, how did you get here? Tell me about your story. Well, listen, I lived when, G- I lived when he walked the earth. You did? Yeah, well, how did you believe? Did you, did you go to church? What happened? No, it, as a matter of fact, we were at a funeral. 
A funeral? Yeah. Lazarus had died. Jesus came, rolled away the stone. It was a smelly, smelly place. And we saw Jesus do something amazing, and we believed, and we're here because of that. How did you get saved? Well, went to Calvary Chapel. Gave my life to Jesus Christ. Preacher was really good. He was just outstanding. I mean, one of the best. Just kidding, guys. Don't, don't trip. The second thing we see happening here, guys, and not only believed, but many who came to, to sympathize and to offer condolences, well, they remained and they saw the glory of God. Guys, I know many people have come to know the Lord because of the death of a loved one. Now, I'll be honest with you. That's not my favorite way of evangelism, okay? I don't think that's the norm. People have to die to get saved. No, people are going to die, but God can use that. God can use that. Now, here, here's, just my, here's just my testimony, okay, real quick. You guys know that I am an evangelist at heart. I want to see, see droves and droves of people get saved. So I tell everyone, I say, when I die, there better be an altar call at my funeral. I mean, don't, don't, don't play around. Ben was a good guy. He preached the gospel. Amen. Don't play, don't play. Man, it's about the people who are living. I'm already in heaven doing my day. You know, I'm already rejoicing, man. I'm already going, yeah. Woo. It's about, it's about, again, people need that. People need that. And I've seen so many people get saved because somebody they love passed away. I don't recommend that, obviously. But here's what I pray. I pray that God will use even funerals, help me church, to touch the heart of people who are running from him. Think about it like this. I read a story. It was back in 1981. Uh, Minnesota radio station reported a story about a stolen car in California. The police were staging an intense search for the vehicle and the driver, even to the point of placing announcement on the local radio stations to contact the thief. You go, wow, for what, one VW? Yeah, here's why. Listen, on the front seat of the stolen car sat a box of crackers that, unknown to the thief, were laced with poison. The car owner had intended to use the crackers as rat bait. Now, the police and the owner of the VW bug were more interested in apprehending the thief to save his life than even to recover the car. And I think so often, guys, when people run from God, they do it as to feel an escape from his punishment, but what they're actually doing is eluding his rescue. God's like, I want to save you. God, no, please, you're going to punish me. You're going to change my whole life. He's going, no, I, you don't understand. It, this is going to be far worse for you. Far worse for you. So now, the people are affected, but notice, back in our story, notice the dialogue he has with Martha, right? Martha has with Jesus. Look at verse 20. Now, Martha, okay, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Mary and Martha, do you guys remember the story? Early on, Jesus comes over, right? And Mary, where do you find Mary? Mary's sitting at the seat, just taking in and soaking in Jesus. Martha is a servant. Okay, let's not, let's not bash her for that. Great to be a servant. But she's in the kitchen, and she's just not having it. And she's throwing pots and pans and flowers flying all over the place. And she comes out, and she puts her hands on her hips, and she said, Jesus, rebuking her sister. Help her to come help me. And this is the same Martha, but she's grown a little bit. Notice. So she comes and she runs. Mary's still sitting in the house. 
Okay, notice verse 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, here's what she says. She runs up to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Do you guys feel it? Do you feel the weight of that? Lord, if you would have been here. She's actually somewhat, in a sense, the tonality is rebuking the Lord. And you would have been here, Lord. But then she sort of gets her bearing straight because notice the next verse. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Do you guys see that? So she's like, Lord, he's rebuking you. Okay, I'm sorry, Lord. But I know that if you ask of God, God will give you. And here's what he says. Jesus said to her, now here's what I want you to see. Okay? In Martha's grief, she says some things that can be construed as rude. I mean, instead of running up and saying, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, my brother. Jesus, I'm hurting. She says things, right? Jesus, if you would have been here. If you, in other words, if you would have come when I called you, my brother would not be dead. Nonetheless, Lord, you, you can ask God everything. I, I respect you. Here's what I love. She's honest. And here's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't look at her and go, you don't know anything. Here's what he says. Look at, he says, and Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Okay, so she's, she's quoting Old Testament. She knows there's going to be a resurrection day. She gets theology. Okay, she goes, yes, I know, Lord, amen. Can I get a witness kind of thing? And Jesus looks at her, and I'm sure he's smiling, but he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christos, the Mishak, the Son of God who has come into the world. Guys, if you're a highlighter or an underliner, this is this verse just touched my heart. You go, why? Here's what he says. You ready? Whoever believes in me, we know what that word believes, right? Even if he physically dies, He's going to live spiritually and eternally. That's what he says. And whoever lives physically and believes in me shall never die spiritually or eternally. Don't you just love that? Uh, guys, this, just, this is the gospel right here. Think about what he just said. He said, I am whoever believes in me, though he may die, he's still going to live. He's still going to live. And whoever lives, that's us. Are we living right now? And if you believe in me, you're never going to die. You're not going to die spiritually. One day you might, you might die physically, but you're not going to die spiritually. Where does it stem from? Our belief in Jesus. That's where it stems from. Our what? Our being persuaded, our faith in who he is, and with confidence saying, that's why I love the song that Josh sings from time to time. In the morning, when I rise, right? Give me Jesus. But then it says the lyric there, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Why? That's, that's what it's about. I don't, I don't, you can have all of this world. You can have its fancy cars. You can have its fancy house. You can have all the gadgets. When I come to die, I only want Jesus by my side. Right? That's what he's saying here. Right? Now, we say it like this. You ready? If you're born once, 
you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll only die once. That's how we say it, okay? If you're born as a baby physically and you're born again, like Jesus says in John chapter 3, guys, you're only going to die once. You're only gonna, your physical body's going to just be put here, right? And, and, and <laughs> talking to Beverly this morning, we, we, that's a good thing. Because it's getting old and it's hurting and knees hurt and backs hurt and eyes hurt and hair hurts and eyelashes fall out. And I mean, we just, we're just get that's just, that's just us. That's just us. The sad part is when you go to bed, <laughs> when you go to bed normal and you wake up hurting and you don't know what you did in the middle of the night. You're like, oh, that's what Solomon says. That's what getting old is about. I want to leave that here. I want a brand new body. I want a brand new body. I want to be at least six foot one, a little bit taller than I am, okay? Right? I want to be a little bit, you know, a lot more or less weight, you know? Just, that's, that's the body I want. And, and I want to be able to run fast and jump high. I want to be able to beat golf. I want to be doing golf. I mean, whatever it is, you see? But this body, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to leave here. But Jesus asked Martha a very important question, right? Same question he asked us. He says, do you believe this? Church, do you believe this? Do you really believe this? There's a lot of people that would be shaking their heads, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but they don't believe it. They're still stranded in darkness and sin. See, Romans tells us like this. Well, her response is this. Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's come into the world. And Paul tells us in Romans, if you confess with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why, Pastor? For it is with the heart that, you're, that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confessed and are saved. How does a person get saved? Ready? If you believe with your heart and confess Jesus as Lord. That's how we're saved. Now, remember, where's Lazarus at this point? He's in the grave. He's been dead four days, right? Now, where's his spirit? His spirit is in Abraham's bosom. This is all going on real time. He's hanging out. He's, he's, with, he's with the saints of God, okay? He's with Moses and Elijah and Joshua, Enoch. He's probably asking Enoch, dude, seriously, how did that happen? You were walking with God and God took you. He's like, yeah, man, check, check it out. The rapture is going to happen pretty soon, and people in 2018 might know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, and so he's having this great time. But down on earth, they're still struggling. How so? Look at verse 28. And when she had said these things, and when he had said, she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called who? Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she quickly, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus has not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Okay, you guys with me? Look at verse 31. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her family and friends, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out following her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came to Jesus and saw him, everybody see this, this is so important, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Your attention, please. Martha, 
runs to Jesus, same exact statement. Jesus, if you would have been here, Mary runs to Jesus, same exact statement, different posture. Where where do we find her? At the feet of Jesus. Same question. Same line, Lord, if you'd have been here. But where is she? She's in an attitude of humility, an attitude of at the feet of Jesus. That's where we always find Mary, at the feet of Jesus. And I just think, what a difference. You go, well, who's right and who's wrong? It's not about where Mary and Martha stood, but where Mary is is where we need to be, always at the feet of Jesus, just receiving from him, always at the feet of Jesus. Therefore, notice, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came and they were weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That word groaned is very interesting. It's this like this like inner snort. It's like, Ugh! you ever groan? Grr! That's what it is. Jesus is going, Ugh! and you go, why? Because that's not how God intended this world to be. He knows that Mary and Martha are hurting. He knows that people around him are hurting. He sees the, the, sincere, the sincere mourning and the weeping. And Jesus looks at him. He goes, that's not how I created it to be. And he's groaning at sin because sin fractured everything. And he's going, and he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled. Don't you just love the heart of Jesus? Why? Because guys, Jesus knows what he's going to do. He's about to go over there and say, you know what, Lazarus, get up. Let's go to work. But yet his heart breaks because he sees the heart of the people and it troubles him. Guys, many times in life, we want life's hurts and pains to go away, don't we? Or we want to take them away from those we love. But there are those times when we simply need to stop and cry with those who are hurting. Not saying a word, just letting letting those who hurt find comfort and peace. Guys, we can surely relate to this. When I was 13 years old, my sister, after my mom died, my sister died of lung cancer. So she was 19. A few years after that, 20 years after that, I think so. so yeah, 20 years after that, um, Nathalie's brother was in, a, was in a bad accident, and he passed away, and he was 29. And... It was one of those things that, you know, I mean, we're hurting, we're broken. And, and uh, Nathalie tells the story of when she's sitting at the house and people are coming in and it's all a blur. My dad, because of what he went through, he went and he said, he goes, he, she says, your dad just sat down. He didn't say a word. He just held my hand. And he just cried with me. My dad didn't say a word. He didn't, he didn't sit there and go, let me give you some theological. Let me give you what the Bible says. He just held her hand because he knew that hurt. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's exactly. I mean, that's what, that's what there's sometimes we don't have to say. We just got to go to those who are hurting and go, listen, I want to take that pain away. Sure, I want to. But sometimes you just need me to be a friend just to hold on to your hand and cry with you. Oh, don't you have any words of wisdom? Nope. I just love you. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. 
Well, shouldn't the world stop moving? It should. I agree with you. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Now, let's close with the last four verses, guys. Verse 34. And Jesus said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Look at verse 35. And Jesus wept. Now, we have to do a little bit of work here, okay? Because the weeping, there's two different words. When, the, when Mary is weeping, it's that, ah, you know what I'm talking about? I call it ugly cry. I mean, mascara running down. I mean, just ugly cry, okay? That's where you, better, you need a lot, of, uh, you need a lot of, of, of clinics because there's snot coming all over the place. That's that ugly cry. They're weeping. They miss their brother. But this word wept is that Jesus just wept internally, just had the tears come down. You know what I'm talking about? He wasn't like, ah! He just wept. He just wept. Jesus said, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord. And Jesus wept. Smallest verse, so impactful. As a matter of fact, Charles Spurgeon said he could, he wrote two distinct sermons on just this verse. He said, I could have written four, but he only wrote just two. I mean, we, that would be a good homework for your assignment just to look at this verse and, and, I mean, think about it. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And some said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? Here's what I want you to write down, okay? Write down right here. Nothing is as it seems. Nothing is as it seems. You go, why? The Jews here, okay, they don't know what's going to happen Okay, they saw something, they told themselves a story, couldn't, and what's the story? Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind, could they have not kept him from, they told him a story which led to feelings, which leads to action. Okay, we got to be careful because that's not what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is weeping because he loves people. He loves people. See, when Jesus wept, he was greatly moved, but he was not out of control. Well, for today, we say goodbye to the family and the friends at the feet of Jesus. Next week, guys, we're going to follow Jesus to the tomb of Lazarus. And something amazing is about to happen when the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus says, roll away the stone. But let me leave you with this. Death comes for Lazarus. I want you to put yourself in Lazarus' sandals for just a moment. You die. Jesus brings you back to life. He resurrects you. Do you think Lazarus was ever afraid of dying again? He's probably going... Do you you feel the weight of that? Feel the weight of that, though. I died. Jesus brought me back to life. I'm going to live my life to the fullest. Why? I'm not afraid to die. I know where I'm going. As a matter of fact, it's going to be a better place. Why? Because Jesus is going to resurrect. He's going to take all of Abraham's with him. So I'm not going to Abraham's bosom anymore. You know where I'm going? I'm going straight to heaven. You go, what's the point? Live your life, guys, to the fullest. Enjoy your moment today. Because if you're truly saved, that's all taken care of. It's all taken care of. 
Don't let the enemy rob you of the joy that God has put in you, the joy of living every single, the joy of a sunrise, the joy of a sunset, the joy of watching your children grow. Don't let the enemy rob you. We all want to stop time. Oh my goodness, my grandbaby's getting so big. But instead of saying that, I want to enjoy every moment I have with them. I want to be there in the moment. You want to know how we do that, guys? Let me just give you a real simple solution. We'll pray. Ready? You know how you want to be in the moment? Put this thing away. This often distracts us of being in the moment. You know, you sit there and you're like, oh, and, and yeah, of course, we're searching and we're looking, but then all of a sudden stuff is happening around us, relationships and people around us, and we miss it. We have to be disciplined. Put this away. Okay, okay, I'm in the moment. What if it's ringing? I'm in the moment. I'm not going to miss that moment because I don't want this to rob me of the joy of what God has done in my life. Lazarus is gone. Our question is, is there life after death? Is there life after death? Of course, we'll see that next week. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, for Lazarus. We thank you that you walk with us through the storms of life. We worship you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.